listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. Last year has brought about monumental changes for all of us, and not just in our day-to-day lives or our personal relationships and the routines that provide us with a sense of stability. But we're talking about changes to our society, to our collective consciousness, the kind of changes that have indelibly altered our definition of what's normal and opening up our ideas to so many possibilities as we all move forward. It's a really strange and complex time for everyone. Yet, according to our next guest, we've been here before. Over the last 2,000 years of Western history, there have been critical moments where the conditions and the timing lined up to allow ideas that were considered fringy or even downright revolutionary for their time. In his new book, University of Michigan professor David Potter explores what makes this kind of society-transforming change possible. The book is aptly titled Disruption, Why Things Change, and Professor Potter joins me now to talk about it. David Potter, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So there, there's so much contemporary resonance in the idea uh, of disruption. Um, but talk about what prompted you to write this book now. Well, it was really the Charlottesville riot um, in 2017. And the sight of the president of the United States actually inspiring an attack on civil society. And so I began to ask myself, how did we get into this situation and what causes uh, this kind of change? What could happen? Uh, I think one of the great values of history is it enables us to use the past to think about what's going on in the present. Um, So that's why I I decided to write the book and uh, started looking back over time at, at periods where there's been very positive change. Um, and at other periods where it's been uh, really catastrophic. Sure. So, so you you look at some very specific periods uh, in the book, and and sort of, as you say, take a look at what was going on, but also what effect uh, they were having uh, on the world. Uh, let's talk about how you chose those moments, what they were, and and why you settled on those as the ones to to kind of illuminate this this point? Yes, what I was looking for were periods where there was a change which meant you just couldn't go back to the way things were before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the first one of these changes was actually the conversion of the Roman Empire to Christianity, uh, where you have all of a sudden an ideological system combined with government uh, that was completely out on the fringes a dozen years before the Roman emperor decided to become a Christian. And then how did he bring the world along uh, with him? What what did he do right? Uh, the second big change uh, that I looked at was how you really got rid of the or ended the political structures uh, that had dominated the Middle East and the Mediterranean for a thousand years, uh, Roman Persia and the rise of Islam. How did the thinking of a prophet in Central Arabia suddenly become one of the major thought systems in the world. Mm. And then uh, moved ahead a bit uh, to look at 
the incredible intellectual transformation of Europe in the uh, early 16th century with the Protestant Reformation and how we replaced basically the medieval way of doing things with the origins of uh, modern, uh, modern thought and uh, Western, Western states. And then I moved ahead to look at how you apply political theory to create a new political system. And in the late 18th century, uh, we have uh, two extraordinary examples of this, one which is very successful, uh, which is the uh, U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, almost exactly the same time, using almost exactly the same ideas, uh, you have the really quite catastrophic example of the French Revolution. So what was different between these two groups? And finally, uh, moving into the 20th century, uh, as we begin to sort of see people studying society or pre presenting what they claim to be scientific analyses of society, uh, I looked at the two really massive uh, disruptions at the beginning of the 20th century, one being the Bolshevik Revolution mm -hmm. uh, and uh, drawing on Marxist theory, uh, and then uh, the uh, rise of Nazism in Germany. And I uh, come to a close in the book uh, by looking at what is the background to what happened on January 6th, 2021. Yes, yes. Uh, so the the cover of your your book um, uh, has a photo uh, in in the background, and I believe it's uh, Vladimir Lenin Lenin who is in yes. uh, in in that photo, and he's uh, speaking speaking to a crowd. I'm I'm curious about uh, what uh, what role you believe Lenin plays in in this kind of transformative. Uh, 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 time period that 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 he lived, and I guess whether that was for the better or for the worst. Well, Lenin really is an extraordinary figure. Uh, he revised uh, Marxist thought, uh, and he was initially really a theorist. He was uh, a journalist. He hadn't lived in Russia uh, for the better part of a decade uh, before the revolution broke out. Uh, but when he returned uh, to Russia, admittedly with the aid of the Germans, uh, in 1917, he took on a movement which really had no direction uh, at all. People, the czar has gone away. Uh, what's coming next? There's an unelected uh, committee that is running the country on the one hand, and on the other hand, uh, you have collections of uh, workers' organizations known as Soviets. And Lenin saw a way to capitalize on this situation, to take over and work with the organization of the, of the workers, with the Soviets, uh, to throw out the provisional regime and to set up a completely different uh, kind of state uh, that was organized around a single political party, uh, which is not something that had really been seen uh, for a very long time. Uh, but he's a really good example of the sort of catalyst of a charismatic leader making use of a series of ideas which are out there, uh, reshaping them and making them effective in a political context. Mm.
Hmm. Uh, Whether that's a good thing, that's another question. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's right. That is a very different question. Uh, I'm talking with David Potter. He's the Francis W. Kelsey Collegiate Professor of Greek and Roman History and Arthur F. Thurnau Professor at the University of Michigan. His newest book is titled Disruption, Why Things Change. We're talking about uh, that book, which looks at several pivotal moments in Western history uh, where the conditions were ripe for revolutionary thought to take hold and send things in a direction uh, that they might not have been able to go before in a surprising uh, direction. Uh, we'd love to hear from you during the conversation as well. Give us a call and tell us what uh, your favorite revolutionary figures or stories are in our history. And tell us whether you think we're living in the middle of another revolutionary period. Think of the ways that the pandemic has upended uh, things, everything from workplace culture to the way that we interact with each other socially. Uh, Think of the BLM racial reckoning, uh, the Me Too movement. Uh, What about the ways we think about uh, gender fluidity? There's a lot of change happening right now. Are we in the middle of another of these periods of of critical change? Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313- 577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, David, I want to ask you that that same question about the, the, the time we're living in now, and I will say up front, I realize it's not a fair question. You're a historian. Uh, your job is looking uh, sort of with the with the benefit of hindsight uh, at, at these things, especially the things in in your book, uh, it's historians of the future, I guess, who will ultimately decide what's going on uh, in in the 2020s, uh, the early parts of the 20 uh, the 21st century. Um, uh, but give me a sense of what you what you make of what we're seeing and what we're experiencing now, does it seem similar to some of the things you're writing about in your book? Yes, it does. And I think one of the the really important things about history is it helps us use the past to think about the present, to see what kinds of patterns of behavior, et cetera, in the past led to certain kinds of situations. And a critical aspect of all of the disruptions that I talk about is, first and foremost, there had been a complete loss of faith in the central political and intellectual institutions of society. Hmm. And where we now have uh, a very substantial number of people in this country who believe outright lie about the last election, uh, we have the signs here of the kind of loss of faith Um, in the basic institutions of this country. And we've seen many things that quite reasonably undermine the people's faith. Uh, One has, of course, been this terrible disease we've been living through. Um, Another, frankly, has been in the wake of 2008, the very uneven uh, recovery in people's standards of living. Mm -hmm. And really the progressive widening Uh, of the gap uh, between uh, those who have uh, the means to do what they want and those who are barely getting by. And it's a basic principle of government 
that government is supposed to act for everybody, not just the very wealthy. But we seem really to have lost track uh, of what government is supposed to be doing to help shape society as a whole, rather than uh, to benefit uh, people who want to charge you $28 million to fly in space with them for 10 minutes. <laughs> and so, and again, I admit up front the unfairness of the question, but is this a moment that sends us in a positive direction because of the changes that are happening? Or is it looking like a moment that uh, will reflect uh, past moments where, where things have, have gone off the rails? Well, I think we are seeing that we're in the middle of it. It's whether or not uh, the Biden administration can succeed in doing what I think it is trying to do which is to reestablish a middle ground where people can come together and talk. And uh, this can be very difficult. It's not going to be very popular on either side of the equation. And sometimes uh, what we've seen in the past is that the most radical thing that you can do is reestablish a center ground where people can come together and talk. And you know, one of the things about the uh, rise uh, of the Islamic State is Abdel Malik, uh, took the teachings of Muhammad and turned that into an ideology that could run a state uh, which had suddenly emerged uh, in the Middle East, had uh, thrown out uh, Roman government, Persian government, but was really trying to find its way. There's been a civil series of civil wars. So it took a really enormous amount of imagination to see how you could shape a new way forward. Mm. And, of course, if you don't do that, uh, we have, uh, you know, for instance, the examples of uh, Robespierre and his colleagues who rapidly destroyed any kind of center mm -hmm. uh, in French politics. And you know, if you weren't ready to participate in Robespierre's uh, vision of a state of virtue, uh, well, he, has some, he had a, gu a guillotine for right. you. <laughs> right, right. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Adam in Novi. Adam, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was just curious as to what the uh, the difference in the process of change looks like when it's actually more of a reformation type change. Like I, I thinking just about the Second Amendment, for example, it you know we see so many mass shootings and and suicides and gun violence on the streets, and and it's as an American, it's something that's so ingrained in our in our culture. But it's at what point? do we say this probably is no longer a good idea? Hmm. And I'm kind of curious how that change comes about historically and, and, and uh, yeah, what his take is on that. Yeah, great question, Adam. I appreciate the call. Uh, uh, David, uh, what, what's the answer to answer Adam's question? Well, the, the answer to that is that you have to build a sufficient consensus around the issue. And I think one of the problems we have right now is even when there is a very substantial consensus around an issue, it is very hard to get past the ingrained special interests which are protecting the other side of it. I mean, that's a sign of the fact that we are in a very difficult uh, situation. I uh, completely agree. The, the Second Amendment um, had to do with uh, creating a well-ordered militia it didn't have to do with allowing people to have automatic weapons mm -hmm. to shoot each other in the street. It was, mm -hmm. in fact, precisely the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam, I really appreciate the call and the great question. 
Let's quickly go to Phyllis and Warren. Phyllis, I've only got about a minute left, but I want to get you on the air. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Uh, my my comment is basically on a book called The Black Earth, and the subtitle of the book is The Holocaust as History and Warning. Mm-hmm. Is history really a warning? Mm. Uh, great question, uh, Phyllis. Uh, David, I've, I've not got a lot of time left, but I really am curious about your answer to that. Um, history can be a warning, absolutely. Um, be, and it really depends on how we look at it and how we take these uh, examples that we can see and we make use of them. Well, that's, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. Okay, uh, David Potter, history professor from the University of Michigan and author of the new book, Disruption, Why Things Change. It was really great to have you here for this discussion. It's been discussion. great to talk to you, Stephen. Yes, thank you. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow, and we're going to talk about uh, what we've all been hearing about this term, critical race theory. And we're going to talk with an expert about exactly what that means with a focus on the role of critical race theory in K-12 classrooms. you got a lot of conservatives around the country misunderstanding and absolutely mischaracterizing critical race theory as a way of politicizing the discussion about race that we're having now. We're going to get down to what the facts tell us tomorrow. Plus, I'm going to preview a special Juneteenth event coming up this weekend featuring the Free Black Women's Library in Detroit. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.